If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Welcome to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, my guest in this episode is going to tell a quite an extraordinary tale. It's a, it's a story that is really uh, defined in the beginning, at least, uh, with a moment of tragedy. Uh, the moment that, that a father lost a son, uh, a mother lost a son, siblings uh, lost a brother. Uh, Preston Bridge was 16 when he uh, fell from a balcony uh, after a school ball, having consumed synthetic drugs. Uh, in amidst that grief, started a quest and a crusade uh, by his family to track down uh, the people and the organisations uh, that manufacture uh, and distribute those drugs that ended up in their son's hands uh, and ultimately uh, led to his tragic death. Uh, Rod Bridge is our special guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. Hello, Rod. How are you? Yeah, Tim, and um, and hi to your listeners too. Um, some extraordinary moments and achievements uh, for you along the way, which we'll get into in some detail. But uh, look, having covered this story when it first happened and then reflecting on all of the events uh, from that moment until now, I was staggered to take stock of the fact that it's been nine years. It was 2013. Yeah. Yes, yes. It, uh, as a, we've discussed with many people, that, you know, it's nine years coming up and, and it just feels like it happened, you know, last week. Yeah. It's um it's something that never goes away, but, yeah, nine years later we're still – We've still got his legacy, he's still floating around and, and kids are still mm. celebrating his life, which is great. Uh, they say that time heals wounds, which is a nice thing to say. Is it true? No, it's a nice nice quote to use, but no, it's not really. No. no. How are you? No. Oh, well, I'm, I'm getting there. Like, you know, it's before, you know, sometimes you go to bed at night crying and you wake up crying. Yeah. You just so, got to get through it. And, and yet you still seem as determined as ever um, to to do good. Um, you know, to seek some sort of, I don't know what you call it, retribution, um, justice, call it whatever you want, but you still seem to have that fire. I remember, um, you know, in the, um, in the aftermath of, of the incident, you seemed like a man possessed, you know, obviously grieving, but also there was a, an intense anger and fire burning within you that you had to do something. Yeah, well... Beyond just grieving. Well, that's that sort of all started when Preston passed away. It was only a, a month or two later. Yeah. There was a young boy called Henry Kwan in New South Wales, mm-hmm. and he um, he stripped naked and ran past his uh, his mother and, and sister and jumped off a building. And, and I realised then that this just wasn't a one incident, one-off incident with Preston. I knew there was obviously a problem with these you know these substances. And, and when somebody tells me, as in some of the law enforcement agencies, that you know, the the products are bought from a place called Silk Road on a website um, and it can never be shut down. You know, my attitude is you can't shut a website down, but you can put people on the moon. How ridiculous mm. is that? So 
that started the, my quest. And, and the more I got into it, the angrier I got. And I realized that, uh, you know, that these substances being researched chemical drugs and they're being manufactured, you know, overseas, that really irked me. And, yep. um, you know, talking to people back in here in the government, um, you know, they said there's nothing you can do about it. So I thought, well, let's try and prove them wrong. And that's, that's what <laughs> and happened. you did, including one uh, incredible trip to China in uh, 2017, um, which was just on the, you know, on reflection, a really dangerous exercise. Yeah. But you did it anyway, uh, and you're here to tell the story and got a phenomenal result uh, from that in terms of people who ended up being nabbed by authorities. We'll get into that in more detail in a moment. But can can you just, if you don't mind, take us back to 2013 and just tell us quickly yeah, well, what did happen that started all of this? Yeah, look, it was it was really bizarre. It, it, you know, it, it just appears that, you know, you, your life is cruising along beautifully, you know, beautiful Amy Preston, and, uh, you know, getting ready for the school ball and, and everything was exciting. I was more excited than what he was, I think. Mm. Um, he came home from the beach that morning. Um, you know, we had a bit of a joke about, I said, he's got a spray tan, you know, but he said, well, would he want to destroy a perfect body sort of thing? So, <laughs> um, that was always our jovial sort of jousting between each other. Um, he got ready for the ball and came out of his room in this magnificent tuxedo. And I thought, wow, that's a good looking boy. Obviously he takes after his mother <laughs> and, um, he went to the school ball and, you know, the last thing I said to him, um, before he left was, listen, I'll pick you up out the front at the convention center at 1130 and go home, get changed, and I'll drop you off to the after party. So everything was fine at that point. Yeah. Um, I was waiting at the, the convention centre. He came out with his scaly mates. They all piled in the car, went home, he got changed, took him to the after party, and I remember dropping him off there. And I just said to him, uh, you know, behave yourself, you know, don't be an idiot, and and uh, basically hugged, hugged me and said, I love you. I'll see you at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'll pick you up, but no later than that. Mm-hmm. I said, because, you know, I think you, you would have partied by then. Yep. Um, everything was fine. Got a text message at 3.30 um, saying, can I stay the night because I want to help up clean in the morning? And I thought, yeah, that's okay. So I said, okay, if, but if you leave, let me know and I'll come and get you. And, of course, uh, you know, then the rest of the night was what happened. You know, at this point, we didn't know. And in the morning, Amy uh, came and got me at about 9 o'clock and said, you know, I want to go for breakfast. I said, yeah let's, uh, yeah, let's head down to the beach. So I said, on the way down there, ring your brother, text him, because he normally, he's normally good for a free breakfast. <laughs> um, Especially after a big night. Yeah, after, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he's not. Um, and she tried to mess, text him, didn't, didn't get a reply, rang him, didn't get a reply. So. And so we drove down to Trig, down to a cafe called Yellow, and it was packed out. So I said, I mean, let's go back, you know, past Scarborough Head down to maybe Floriet and see if we can get a get a break, you know breakfast down there. And as we went past the Sun and Moon Resort, there was an ambulance there and there was police cars and people everywhere. And I remember looking down the driveway and I saw something under a white sheet and I said to Amy, "This is this is terrible. Someone's either fallen off the building or someone's been stabbed. Whatever. I don't know. Don't know what happened." It was about two kilometres later. I stopped the car and I said to Amy, "I got a bad feeling about that." Wow. Yeah. And at and what, she, po- she at what exactly point did you Turn around. learn that it was Preston? Turn around. I just had a gut feeling there was something not right. Yeah. Turn around, went back, and then Amy ran across the road to go and see what was going on, and she stopped and ran back. She said, I, I can't do it. So I went over there, and um, I remember looking at all the kids that were there. It was um, all these close mates. And then I was just thinking, Preston, just step out from behind a wall or something. 
and he didn't. And then, uh, of course, he was taken to hospital and... Yeah, yeah, so I was confronted by a, a police, policeman then and he said, who are yep. you? And I told him and he said, you Preston's father? And then I knew straight away what, what had happened. Yep. So anyway, we followed, uh, we, we, the, the ambulance had already gone, so we rushed off to the to Charlie Gardeners and uh, got confronted by, I don't know, neurologists and counsellors and psychs yep. and I thought, yeah, this is not good. Mm. Anyway, so we stayed with him for... Three days. The most amazing thing happened in those three days because we had literally hundreds of kids came through the hospital. Yeah. It was freakish. And, and the staff were saying, you know, we're here for you. Bring him into his room eight at a time. But um, if, bar, if bells or alarms go off, they've got to vacate. Mm-hmm. So I had an opportunity to put, uh, I think it was about 270 kids through there to say goodbye. Wow. Yeah, so it was two reasons to say goodbye, number one. And number two, to show what can happen when it all turns pear-shaped. Yeah. You know so, yeah. A moment that uh, that changed so many lives. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, I can talk. I can talk about the drugs. I can talk about China very easily. But when I talk about yeah. Preston personally, yeah. it's sort of, you know, it pulls like you said, a little bit. It's, it's, it's like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose what followed from that was what you would expect you know, a family in absolute shock and grief. Yeah, yeah, can, will we? Can you tell us at what point that also started to include this this anger and this rage that, that started you on this quest? It was most probably how I, how it, when I first got, got involved was uh, one of the kids that Preston uh, was with that night or that morning said that, um, that one of his mates gave him a, a synthetic drug from Silk Road. And of course mm-hmm. I was immediately thinking Silk Road, what, what suburbs that in? Well, yeah. I didn't know. Um, it was only about an hour later we got the coroner's detectives came in, the investigators came in and fronted me and, uh, and asked me the story about what I knew. And I told them what I knew. And I said, oh, by the way, one of the, uh, one of his mates just told me that, um, he got drugs that was given to him from, from a place from Silk Road and their eyes were like dinner plates. And I thought, well, what's going on here? And he said, Silk Road. And I went, yeah. And he goes, the website Silk Road. And I went, what website Silk Road? I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. He told me then that you can buy drugs off the internet. And I thought, well, that's impossible. You can't do that. And then he told me that this site can't be shut down. And it's very uh, integrated sort of software and everything else. And Yeah. Anyway, that's where it all started. And I thought to myself, well, you've got to shut this site down because this site is, if people are buying drugs and it kills them, it's got to be stopped. Yeah, and that's how that's how it first started, and, and I suppose so began a um, a real learning curve for you, uh, going from thinking maybe Silk Road was in you know a suburb of Perth, yeah, well, this completely unchecked um, yeah. massive entity that lurks. Uh, I mean, it's not even that deeply concealed on the web, is it? It's fairly no. it was it, it was fairly no. accessible. Were you were you shocked though that Preston and his mates uh, were? accessing this in the first place? Well the, well, the first thing is Preston didn't have any idea about it. It was yeah. just his mate who, who just turned said, up. Who it just was one said, of those nights. He said, look, I've got this. this stuff. And, and you know, this is all being related back to me from the boys that were there that night mm. and said that um, he was asked a question about, you know, what is it? And he said, Preston said, what is this stuff? And he goes, oh, it's okay, Pres. It'll just make you feel happy and keep you awake. Mm. And to this day, Amy, my daughter, and I still want to kick his backside because he's the sort of kid that, you know, wouldn't have touched it. Yeah. But he did. It was at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or, sorry, 4 o'clock in the morning and after, you know, obviously had a good time and, you know, it's all, it's all turned pear shape. Yeah. 
But, um, yeah, so, uh, no, it's pretty sad. I mean, when I heard the news about Silk Road, I, I, I yeah. put two and two together and thought, nah, this can't happen. Yeah. So hence the reasons why I did what I did in China. We might take a break. Uh, when we uh, come back, we'll, uh, we'll get into uh, more the start of your uh, quest uh, to, to track down uh, some of the people who ultimately put this horrible stuff uh, in the hands uh, of Preston on that fateful night. This is Inspiring Stories. Rod Bridge is our special guest. We'll be back with more right after this. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Our special guest in this episode is Rod Bridge, uh, a man who lost his son uh, after he consumed uh, a synthetic uh, hallucinogenic drug back in 2013. He was only 16 uh, and he fell to his death ultimately uh, from a balcony after his school ball. Uh, Rod, um, detectives speak to you. you. You tell them about Silk Road. You said their eyes look like dinner plates yeah, yeah. for a moment. Um, you then start this you know, deep dive on what this Silk Road thing is. Um, what, were, what were police here telling you though about you know, what you could or couldn't do uh, to seek some sort of justice. Mm. Well, you know, after I realised that it wasn't uh, a Chinese restaurant in Silk Road in a street somewhere in Perth, I, I identified that you know, there was obviously a major problem and, yeah. a, and, a, and a major um, manufacturing or process that, uh, you know, these kids are getting these drugs delivered um, to, to the door. And when they explained this all to me, um, you know, I, I sort of got bit mystified thinking well why hasn't this been exposed before but reality is it was you know it's been around but it was but it was quite new yeah you know? and it's and it, it it's not a stretch when people describe it as you know the amazon of drugs you go oh, yeah. on, you go on a website pick what you want yep, yep. purchase it pay in cryptocurrency yep. and bingo turns up turns in your up letterbox in, in your letterbox yep it's yep. phenomenal that it existed for as long as it has. And I suppose more and more people have come to know it because there have been yeah. you know, a couple of TV and movie depictions of the story. Because, yep. look, you know, it, it, it's a crazy story, isn't it? It is. The, the, it the is. rise and the existence of, of, of things like Silk Road. Um, even with that, though, um, when did it become, I suppose, something that you said, no, I'm not going to let this go. Uh, I, I have to channel my my loss into something. Yeah, okay. Uh, like, I, I, I have to see this through. Yeah, all right. Well, most probably around about the time that uh, the, the, the coroner's investigators contacted me and said that um, the autopsy came back with nothing in Preston's system mm. and the coroner's report said that it was an accidental death. And I knew at that stage it wasn't an accidental death because of what his mates had told me. So they didn't pick up the... The 2 5 well, the, the problem, the problem is the substance. I mean, you know... Uh, it was a new product mm. in the market, so unless yep. you've got something to work off, it's pretty hard to identify it. Mm. We're very lucky now that the young boy that gave it to Preston um, got uh, a search warrant served on him and he handed over two or three of these blotters that, that, yep. with 2.5i, and now they've got something to, to, to work off. So you know, if anybody takes 2.5i now, they've got some way of wor working back on it. Two five I can you just tell what what is it? How's it made? What is well, it? Well, two five I is just a it's a it's a it's all chemical based. It's supposed to be um, a drug that mimics the effect of LSD. Um, you know these these things have been manufactured in, you know, laboratories, toilets, laundries. You know, it's just a it's a chemical. It's just chemicals mm. combined. Um, 
I can't go to the scientific side because I'm I'm not sort of au fait with all that. But all I know is that there's you know there's over 400 different products on the market from overseas countries now, and they all all are designed to mimic the effect of certain certain drugs. Yeah, so, in- and incredibly powerful. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the stuff like I mean, in America, I think sixty-seven thousand people died of fentanyl poisoning last year, and that was from synthetic version of fentanyl. Um, that just gives you the powerful. You know, there's no instruction sheet when it gets delivered to your house. Mm. You know, um, it's just it's horrific stuff. And you know, you, the old stories. You know, you can change the molecules, and you got these people aren't rocket scientists that are making this stuff, so it could end up being anything. Yeah, anything. Um, what did you want to do, um, you know, to, to do some good, to have, you know, some purpose in your life, you know, to channel all of this into, what, what, what was your, what was your goal back in 2013 when you started all of this? I wanted to expose it, but I didn't think it was going to take me to China No, somehow. So I remember after having the funeral and everything had calmed down and you know, it gave us another week to, to, you know, to sort Amy out to make sure she was okay. Then I went online and I started looking at 2,5-I to actually research on, you know, what it was. Because at this point in time, we knew that the, the boy had bought it from Silk Road website, but we didn't know where it actually came from. So I got a little bit nosy about that. And then I went on the internet and typed in 2,5-I and boom, China. And up came hundreds and hundreds of websites selling this stuff. And I thought, this this can't be right. Mm. You're just not allowed to do that. Um after I went online, um, I, I went to one of the websites and I clicked on the Skype and next minute I've got this girl appearing in front of me talking to me about how much I want. Is that right? It was simple as, as easy that. as that. Simple as that. And I just, uh, I just said to her, I'm not prepared to put money over or send money over. And, and that wasn't just cryptocurrency. That was, you could do it by credit card. You could do it by Western Union, whatever you like. And she was very sort of, you know, blase about it. It was like, oh no, it's okay. And I said, well, you know. I'm not going to hand money over to you, um, not knowing when we're ever going to get a product. So I want to come over and meet you. And it was definitely a no. And I said, well, okay, thanks for your time. And I hung up and then Skype rang back again. So I knew there was a bit of a Mm. hook, line and sinker coming up here. And and then they they agreed that, you know, if I come over there that, you know, we could meet meet her and, and talk about it, but how much would I want? And so I gave them a big, uh, big story that I wanted to be their exclusive, um, you know, dealer in, in Perth, Western Australia, and um, and convinced her that you know that I was the real deal. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah. Well, let's talk about your your trips to China. One of them um, was with a, a sixty minutes crew, yep. uh, and some frankly incredible and at times scary footage um, that came from that. I mean, that was one of two trips you made. Yeah. There. Yeah. I mean, on the face of it, you do, you've got some balls, Rod. Yeah. Well. You know, the, my biggest, the biggest critic in the world is my mother, and I was very lucky at that time. She's got dementia, so she, <laughs> if she found out, she would she, she have known ten seconds later. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't the smartest thing I'd do. But look, at that point in time, after Preston had passed away, and Amy, you know, I made sure that she was okay. Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't yeah. care what happened to me. I really didn't didn't care. So um, just just to paint a picture, so you've gone over there under yeah. the guise of of being. You know, a, a reasonably big time. Let's not say you're Pablo Escobar here, but like yeah, of a, you know, yeah. A, yeah. A, 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 of 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 some note in your hometown, yeah, um, a, a drug supplier, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, someone's going to distribute, let's say, distribute the drugs, yeah, uh, here in in Perth. We might just uh, have a little listen to a, a clip from 60 Minutes now, just to uh, to take you there to that moment. Okay, yeah. So what have we got? Including two five I and Bomi. 
the deadly substance that ended the life of his 16-year-old son, Preston. Now, what's the price of 25i? You, you want this one? 25i, yeah. They don't know who you are. Wouldn't have a clue, no. They're not the slightest bit concerned? Most probably concerned about how much money I had, I suppose, but that's about it. Price, of Price on that one, yeah. Okay. The substance that Preston took was, was called 25i Embomi, which is a, a synthetic form of LSD. Embomi is 60 times more potent than normal LSD. 60? Yeah. Uh, this is APP. So that's the new product now, APVP. So you've gone in there with, with hidden cameras, uh, you've basically pretended to be someone who wanted to buy a large quantity yeah. of this drug. I mean, to go into any country and cause an agitation like that is, is pretty risky, but China of all places, I mean, yeah, well, were, you, were you scared? Uh, I didn't feel scared, no. No, no, I didn't feel scared at all. Uh, the first trip, no, I was the complete opposite. I was looking forward to, I think my motivation was driven by getting getting evidence. That yeah. was the thing. But once I got the evidence, mate, I could have partied for a week because I yeah. thought, you know, I've I've just found out how this whole thing works. What were you going to do with that evidence? I uh, give it to the federal police, the and, Australian federal yeah, police, and to Minister Minister of um, Border Control. I think it was Michael Keenan at the time, mm -hmm. which is when the first trip happened. And when I came back, that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I mean, the the numbers that came out of it were pretty staggering. You, your actions caused the prosecution uh, of over twenty one thousand. Yeah, Chinese yeah. nationals. Phenomenal. I won't be getting too many Christmas presents from them no. this year, I can tell you. You won't be heading back there anytime soon either, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, well, um, I've got the support of the Chinese government. Yeah. I wouldn't have the support of the dealers, but, I mean, they certainly interrupted a, a massive network over there for sure. But seeing the footage there, I mean, you're not too far off the beaten track to go in and find these people and buy this product, are you? No, like no. It, it's It was going on, you know, hidden in plain sight, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, of course. It, it was quite... Were you surprised by how... How easy it was? How easy it was? Oh, mate, it was it, very surprised. I mean, I was, I was basically dealing with teenagers. They were yeah. kids in their in their in their late teens and twenties, and and you know, uh, I got to meet one of the big the big uh, the big boss in one of the locations because we did two different different um, companies. Yeah, um, to make sure that we had the continuity over the whole thing. So yeah, I got to, I got to speak to a lot of the lot of the lot of the, I called them kids. That's mm. what they were, you know. They, some of them spoke good English, and they were just there to convince me to buy, to buy drugs. Amazing. Yeah, I was I was all very surprised. I expected something different, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was easy enough too. We got met at the Haifei uh, train station in China, and um, we got met by the boss and and one of his um, sort of English speaking translators. And I knew the whole time we were there, or we were being followed by a couple of people. Did you? Yeah, yeah, I picked them straight away. Yeah, got off. The, I mean, got off the train. There's only only about seven thousand people getting off the train, and there's two blokes standing on the top there, and yeah, they're, they're watching. So clocking you the whole time. Yeah, and then after we got a lift back to the lift to the offices, then we pulled in the car park, and I saw one of them walking across the road. So I knew that they were just, and I don't think they were there to catch me. I think mm. they were there to see who was watching me, as in law enforcement, in case they were being set up. Did you have the film crew? With you at this point? No, no, no. That, that, that was the first That was trip. the first The trip. film crew, okay. yeah, was the second time. Did the yeah. film crew add an extra level of uh, danger for you? Well, yeah. Because, um, I mean, you know, you, you're quite noticeable when you've got a, yes, well, a crew the, following you well, around the, and filming it. The film crew <laughs> were in the car when we were in the offices. Yeah. And uh, on the first occasion, the, the Chinese boss and his, uh, his associate wanted to walk us to the car. 
and I knew full well there was a camera yeah, crew in the car thinking this is going to go real bad if they get caught. Mm. So I tried to, so I convinced the Chinese or, or the, the boss that it's a, it's a, it's a bad custom to walk us to a vehicle in Australia. Right. So you have to leave us in the car park yeah. sort of thing. So, and he apologised and said, I'm sorry about that. So, yeah. Even with hidden cameras though, I mean, I, I'm guessing there would have been ah. some level of um, searching that went on when you got to these places. Yeah, no, 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 not a thing, not a thing. No, I, I, the, the first trip I had my iPad and I had my iPhone. Yeah. And I still tell the kids at school when we do presentations. You filmed on that? Yeah, and I tell them of my favourite iPhone 5 and they all laugh and, (laughs) you know, they're saying it's now 13 and when I go. Because if they see you with that, like, it's over Oh, I just had it in my hand like a normal person. You're you're done. Absolutely. You would would not have left that building alive. No. No, well, it might have been pieces, but. Yeah. Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have gone, it would have gone pretty ugly, I would think, yeah. But at that point, you're so consumed by your, your mission. Yeah, you, you you weren't bothered. No, I didn't didn't even think that way. My biggest concern was to expose what these people were mm. up to, and I and I I felt I felt a sigh of relief when yep. it, when it did when I eventually achieved what I wanted to achieve. And I, I bet I felt I felt much more relieved. Plus, getting out of there too. Yeah, when you got that vision, who do you show it to? You've obviously got well. The federal government here is aware that you're doing this. Um, no, federal no, I had no it, idea. Okay. But to this point, nobody nobody knew at all till until sixty minutes story came out. Yep. No law enforcement agency or no one knew except sixty minutes and myself. What What was the reaction to it here? Were they, Were they surprised? I mean, surprised probably surprised that you did it. But well, um, did they Did they want to know? The, the federal police. Um, I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines of "You're an idiot for what you did," and <laughs> yeah. don't even think about doing it again. Yeah, that's probably um, fair. They were. <laughs> so 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 how it all transpired is when I went. In the first time, I got samples. They gave me samples of different things, 255i, APVP, 3CMC, 4CMC, all these different ones. And I was allowed to take them and go and get them tested Mm -hmm. to make sure they were of quality. Well, of course, I was never going to do that. So I didn't take them from the building, so they decided to send it to my hotel room in Hansau, which is where I first went. Um, Believe it or not, by the time I got the train back to Hansau, they were waiting in my my hotel for me, the the drugs. That quick. People faster wow. than I don't know. Don't know how they did it. Uh, so yeah, we. Um, I then took a photo of it all, and then I got all the drugs and I flushed them down the toilet. Yeah, and it was a, it was a large quantity basically. Mm. And when I came back and I met the federal police, I um, told them the story, and they just said, "You're very lucky you didn't pull them out of your pocket, otherwise we arrested you." Mm. And that at that point really really got me angry, and I thought, "How dare you?" You know. Mm. Anyway, they said they'll take it over, and, and I I gave them the. The times that they get shipped, I, I let them know who the couriers are, how it gets there, what they pack it in. Big quantities go in water filters, large quantities go in rubber rubber rafts, small quantities go in little toys and stuff like that. And I gave them the whole nine yards, the shipping port where they come from and everything. And after six months, nothing was done, nothing at all. Six months? Six months, yeah, nothing. I spoke to Michael Keenan, same thing, nothing. So, you know. So you're pretty disappointed with the... Well, disappointed, the urgency disappointed from in like you know this is a, obviously a new thing that's happening and and it's getting it's escalating it's getting bigger bigger and bigger and mm. what are you doing about it yeah so anyway so how it all came about with the sixty minutes is my my ex wife uh, and I were both invited to go to New York to give the sentencing and I remember getting a phone call at I think six o'clock in the morning by Millsy from on six br mm. and he just said to me I've got some great news for you 
What's that? And he goes, Ross Albert, Silk Road. He, they've caught him. I reckon I cried for about half an hour. Is that right? Just it was the relief to know yeah. that this is actually, this could be real. This this could yeah. be stopped. Yeah. Um, and after all that, uh, 60 Minutes got in contact with us and said, listen, we've heard your story. Um, they're sentencing. So the FBI contacted us and wanted to fly Vicky over to uh, New York to give an impact statement to the judge in the sentencing of Ross Albright. Yep. So she flew over there and then on a return, 60 Minutes wanted to do a story again. Mm. So we met up with 60 Minutes and uh, told them the story and after we'd finished the story, had a cheeky glass of wine with uh, with Steve Rice and and I oh, told yeah, him man. what I'd done and he he just couldn't believe what I'd done. Oh, I bet. So I pulled my phone out and said, there's the vision of it and he just said, okay, let's talk about this later. Wow. I think he rang me two days later from Sydney and said, can you organise to catch up with these people again and we'll go over and we'll do it properly and we'll expose it. So that was when I was thinking, well, how yeah. am I going to reignite my relationship with these people? Mm. And, uh, yeah, I did. And you did. As soon as you talk money, mate, they, they all fold. They, yeah. they cave in. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, not long after that, I think it was a couple of weeks after that, we took off again. Yeah. And uh, put the operation together properly. Yeah. 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 We need to take another break, uh, Rod. After that, curious to know about uh, your, your final encounters uh, with the man behind Silk Road yeah. uh, as he faced uh, a court um, and ultimately mm. uh, learned of his fate. Uh, he's still uh, doing time, uh, as I understand it. The rest of you will never, he'll be he, never coming out. He'll, he'll never be coming out. What a moment that was for yes. you. But, um, yeah, yeah, you... Were there in spirit, but not there in person. But no. your 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 ex wife certainly was. Yeah. Um, so curious to hear what that was yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we need to take a break. This is inspiring stories. Rod Bridge is our special guest. Back with more right after this. You're listening to inspiring stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to inspiring stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Uh, we are hearing the inspiring story of Rod Bridge. Uh, Rod, Silk Road, is it, it's its a term that many people will be familiar with now. Um, I mean, anyone who's been on Netflix in the last couple of years might have seen, you know, the promo, the trailer pop yeah. up um, for the story of, of Silk Road, particularly focusing on Ross Ulrich, the, the mastermind, if you can call him that, yeah. uh, behind it. Um, you mentioned before, Millsy calls you to, get, to yeah. give you that news that he'd been pinged. Um, you almost went over there. Your ex-wife did go over yeah. there. Yeah. Um, what was that like and why didn't you go? Well, it, it, believe it or not, the uh, the coroner's investigators who put the, put it all together for the FBI yeah. um, and on behalf of the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, mm. um, said it wasn't in their budget to send two people, but yet... They just see they just seized one hundred and forty five million dollars off Ross Albert. So I find that hard to believe. They didn't want you there. It sounds. Yeah, well, I think it was more inclined that the, the, the emotional side of it of having a, a mother there is more powerful than having right. a father there. So she was there to deliver a victim impact statement. Yes, essentially. yep, yep. So she yep. went over there, and it was just an amazing story that um, you know she she got over there, and in the, when she was called up to give the impact statement, she read it out. Um. Yeah, Ross Albert was facing her. That's all she wanted to do was look in his eyes. Yeah. And uh, I remember her saying to me when she came back, she said that, you know, I, I told him the story about Preston and what he was like as a kid. And um, Ross Albert commented, commented when he had a chance and said, if I knew that my website was going to kill people, I would never have done it. 
and, and, and hearing the judge, that. And what, the judge, what, yeah. The judge at the time basically said, well, you know, you've just admitted guilt in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we're very What did it mean to her to, to see that and hear that? Yeah. She said it was like, it was like a bit of closure for her. Yeah. And she said, now I know that I've, I've seen him, looked in his eyes and he had remorse. It wasn't like he was being smart about it. He had remorse. Mm. Um, and he realized then at that point, I think he realized that, yeah, what he did was wrong. Yeah. You know, yeah. What if would you have said if you were there? Um, I, I know I would have said, but I don't, I don't think I can say it on air. I wouldn't have been happy with him, no. I no. mean, you know, like the boy, the boy that gave Preston the drug, in the beginning I actually felt anger towards him. But then later I thought, well, he was just a kid. Like he didn't mean to take Preston's life. But being able to purchase a substance online when you never get to meet anybody and somebody who who facilitates the sale and doesn't care about it, doesn't care about what happens to anybody, then he's the person that deserves to go. And as I said, when I got that phone call from Millsy, um, you know, I cried because mm. I felt that it wasn't only my trip to China, but mm. also at the same time, it put pressure back on them to say, let's do something about this. Yeah. You know, and he was caught and, uh, you know, see, before he got... Two life sentences in forty years, so that's a—it's not a little sentence. No, he ain't coming out. He's not coming. He's not going anywhere. No, no. no. And I think the last appeal that he put together, um, I think it was made that he wasn't allowed to appeal again. So yeah, oh, I hope he puts himself to good use in there. Maybe a code breaker for the FBI or something like that. I, I don't know, but I just thought that you know, a Did, guy that was smart like that would have you know would have would have realised that what he was doing wasn't right. Yeah, lost his moral compass somewhere. Yeah. Do you yeah. accept his remorse? No, not at all. Never will. No. Never will. Um, and it's not just the fact that Preston passed away. There would have been thousands of people that would have passed away from sort mm. of road stealings. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the last report that I saw, there was something like 795,000 financial transactions on Silk Road. Well, it's a lot of drugs being <laughs> that's, purchased. That's a lot. A lot. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I have no remorse for him whatsoever. I, I hope he rots in hell. I hope he, hope he never gets out and hope he dies here. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's what's going to happen. I couldn't be any more nicer mm. than that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You mentioned that the Australian authorities didn't show a great sense of urgency in following up your story and the footage that you provided to them. What about the FBI? Were they a bit more proactive? The FBI were um, were very, I mean, they, they were on top of it. I mean, they had to. Mm. Because they realised that there was a mastermind out there, and they realised that he was coming from America somewhere. So, the FBI, I don't, I haven't dived into the full details with them because a lot of the stuff they won't disclose. But yep. you know how they set him up and how they caught him was just a, just a freak of nature the way it was done. You know, it uh, they needed him to be on his laptop, signed in as the administrator, and yeah. when he was caught or found in the San San Francisco library, um, he was on his laptop and. They created a pretend fight in the background, an argument, and he'd turn around and have a look, and when he looked back, someone had taken his laptop from him. So, Which is pretty much how it's depicted in the yeah. in the film. Yeah, Can I ask, have you watched it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he watched it, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a snippet in there yeah. that, that features yeah. Preston's passing. Yeah, yeah well, I, knew, uh, I knew Some was, of the news coverage I knew it was at the coming time. because they, they wanted my approval to have that there. Did yeah. they? Yeah. I mean, how did it feel watching that and, and, and particularly seeing that moment? I mean, just maybe... What a legend he is! You yeah, sixteen-year-old boy, and he's he's hit hit the big time, you know, mm. in a movie. Uh, it's a, 
I don't know. It's it, it, my my whole grieving thing went on, but you know, as time went on, I realised that it's not just about Preston anymore. It's Preston's death. It's never going to bring him back. But if I can change attitudes and change people's lives uh, or change people's minds, yeah, in relation to drug use and and drug abuse, then that's what my mission is now. Yeah, you know? Preston's just a, an, an afterthought now. Yeah, um, your mission has taken on many forms, but uh, you know, outside of. Uh courtrooms in the United States and, uh, you know, cavalier trips to China. Um, you also talk to people here in classrooms, just yep. talking to kids, just like Preston. Um, one of the many things you do to try to get your message out. I'll get you to talk about how powerful that is right after we take another break. Yeah, sure. This is Inspiring Stories. Rod Bridge is our special guest. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is Rod Bridge. Rod, it's it's almost difficult to, to give you a title of what you do, what you are. You know, how do, how do you respond to that when people ask you, what do you do, Rod? Who, uh, who, who don't know I don't. you? Look, I don't, <laughs> I don't actually don't like promoting myself that way. No. <laughs> you know, I, um, I like with our company side effect that I run, you know, yep. people want to talk to me and meet me all the time and I don't mind doing that, but I don't like to, to be out there on the limelight. It's, yeah. not, it's not who I am. And you, you've got this incredibly compelling, tragic, but compelling story to share. Um, and it's such an important story. Yeah. Um, one of the things you do is going and, and talking to kids at schools. Yep. Tell me what that's like. Well, you know, it's 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 hard emotionally when you talk about Preston personally. Yep. But once you get into the to the to the area of drugs and importation and you know the dangers of substances, uh, it, it flows very very easily after that. Mm. Uh, you know, last year or the last eighteen months, we've got to one hundred and fifty five thousand students face to face. Incredible. And parents, which is very, very powerful. And the more schools we go to, the more schools contact us. Yeah. You know, um, and we're very lucky to have the support of the education department and, uh, you know, especially all the private schools. Um, you know, drugs don't pick and choose what school you go to. Um, and everywhere we go, we see this problem. So telling a, telling a true story resonates a lot more than some sportsmaster getting up telling a story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it resonates with the kids. And, you know, we, we did a survey of, I think, 8,800 students and 98.5% came back and said excellent. So mm. it just proves that a true story is um, is is what resonates with teenagers these days. Yeah, you've got ultimate authenticity, even though I'm sure every cell in your body wishes that you didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, you know, and, and once again, I'm sitting there talking to the students and I see the young girls, they're starting to cry and yeah. some of the boys get tear in their eye. And trying to keep your composure when you see that, it makes it mm. difficult. And there has been times when I've looked at the students and all of a sudden pick one out and it looks reminds me of Preston. Yeah. So then you've got to sort of hold it together. But, you know, if you don't have emotion in your story, then it's not really a good story, is it? Yeah. Um, you've got a, a book in the works, as I understand, Yeah, well, it as wasn't, well. wasn't my doing, trust yeah. me. It was, um, it was a lot of the people in the media said, you have to write this story. You've got to write it. So I spent two and a half years just, you know, when I had time just to put some notes down and the more I started writing, the more I was thinking about it and then, you know, the bigger it got. And, and, um, amazing enough, I sent it off to a publisher and three days later they've signed it up and, 
yes, yes, be going into eleven countries in the world, and 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 hopefully, you know, the the book's a story about emotion, about tragedy, um, and about the dangers of, of drugs and how it can just happen to any any person. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It, it's a it's a it's a family breaker. You know, so yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a book that everyone should read and the family together. Yeah, you know? um, one of the the things um, that has come from Preston's passing as well it, that, that's quite aside from the uh, the message about drug awareness and you know just trying to get authorities to get on top of this uh, dark web machine, this beast that exists there, um, is organ donation. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I suppose a side story to you know, to, to the main story, yeah. um, how much yeah. of, of a focus has that been for you? The most probably out of all the decisions we've ever made in our entire life as a family was the easiest yeah. one. Yeah. Um, you know, we had the opportunity to donate um, Preston's vital organs, mm-hmm. uh, donate Life, which is the company that, that, that operates or you know, controls all that. They also wanted his eyes and his legs and his arms and muscle and tissue. And we said, look, look Preston was a sportsman. You can have any vital organ as long as it's life-saving. Yeah. Okay. You can't use anything for science or research. We were lucky enough to uh, to donate six of his vital organs. Um, the amazing story and the reasons why I wanted to talk about organ donation is that the woman that got Preston's heart was in her forties. She had three children and a husband, and uh, she was in rural Perth hospital. And she had the transplant. Uh, she was released ten or eleven days later, and ten days after that, she did a mini triathlon. No way. Ten days later. Got the letter. What? Got the letter from Donate Life, which is absolutely amazing. And uh, as I say to the kids, which gets them all sort of, the girls, especially the girls, I just say that, you know, I'll I'll never get to meet her, but hopefully one day I wished I could just so I could give her a hug and feel his heartbeat. That's That's extraordinary. Yeah. Would you like to meet her? Uh, I'd love to, yeah. yeah I, I mean, it'd I'd be think, I'd, I'd an like intense to meet her. moment. <laughs> I'd like to meet her, especially for Amy and, and my ex, ex-wife and Preston's mum, uh, yeah. just so that they can have a bit more closure. I think every time something happens in my life, whether it's the book or whether it could be the releasing of a movie or, you know, more more lectures to schools, even interviews with you, mm. it's just that little bit more closure that, that, yeah. that, that you know, that, that helps. That helps, yeah. Um with all of the what you're doing now with side effect, and you've got so many different things on the go, you've got your book uh, in the works as well. Uh, is this is this you now? Is this is this your life? Or do it you is my life. A, do you see a time when you might sort of put this to rest and and, and do something else? Well, I mean, at work they 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 said I'm getting older, mm. you know, which is uh, look. I mean, uh, this is my life. I mean, I, I work seven days a week now. Um, mm. You know, without Preston, believe it or not, I don't have a life. I mean, he was my life. Mm. Um, now been, you know, recently married, remarried, um, you know, yeah, this just goes on like a, there's just a hole now, you know, yeah. Amy's, Amy's now 30 and, and she's married. So I only see her when she wants money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a common story, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Preston's, Preston's fake Facebook page has said, what was your employment? He said, dad's wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, amazing. Well, Rod, all I can say is, you know, all the best with your, yeah, your thanks, mission. Mate. It continues. Um, look forward to the book coming out. Yeah, well, uh, they whatever say, may come from that. Well, they say to be a bestseller, you've got to sell 5,000. So I'm going to go and buy 4,700. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure sell you won't out. have to. No, I think it would sure be, be a good to. one. It would be yeah. a good one. Thanks, Tim. Um, but yeah, look, thank you so much for your time. 
yeah. and all the best with uh, just it. reaching as many people, as many kids and families as you possibly can and yeah. uh, and just making Preston's legacy stronger and stronger as yeah. time goes on. Thank Thanks, you so mate. much. No, thank you. All right. That was uh, inspiring stories in this episode uh, with Rod Bridge. Thanks for your company. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us next time as we unearth another inspiring story. You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Barra O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie-made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, Stuff is helping mental health too. Find Stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.